1: What up Bengals fans? Welcome to twenty twenty. This is another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Me and Joe coming to you from the future or the past, because you're probably listening to this on January second. But to commemorate the new year and for many people the new decade, even though I think scientifically or whatever, by definition, the decade doesn't start until twenty twenty one. Decades what? always start on the on the one year, technically. Mm-hmm now
0: see we're one day in to that year so technically as soon as you're one second in, you're already in the next decade nope the new the new decade technically
1: starts on january 1st 2021 see where you when we get to what we're doing today i'm using 2010. me too okay
0: just so we're aware
1: for for this exercise which is the bengals team of the decade and we've got an overall team of the decade brought to you by joe Gabberry. And a best years at each position brought to you by me for two different takes on the team of the decade. We are going 2010 to 2019, that 10-year stretch for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a good team. It is a good team at many positions. There are a few real strengths, and there are a few spots where it's kind of like, okay, you can get by. And we're only doing
0: starters, right? We're not doing a full 53-man roster because that's crazy talk. Although I do have a couple positions that I'm going to bring up when we get there just for bonuses. Sure. Bonuses are fun. Yeah. We have a little
1: bit of news to catch you up on today as well. William Jackson is having surgery on his shoulder that led him to the IR. He played through that injury for a lot of this year, and I think that if we're looking back maybe in a few years, and this is a blip on the radar for William Jackson, who's had two really good years and – This year, which was a bit of a step back from what we're accustomed to for Jackson, we might be looking back and saying, you know, he was playing with a halfway separated shoulder for the second half of the season, and he was, uh, and it probably impacted his play. There are times you can see him trying to tackle with one arm, trying to make plays on the ball with just one arm. So he is expected to be recovering for three to four months, which puts him on track to return in late April, late May. So he could be back for offseason activities, but he might miss some of that as well.
0: And he's going into his fifth year, so he's going to be paid well next year. This is his chance to show he is either deserving of a big contract, which I, I think he is. I think that's a full conversation one will have one day uh, before we get into the off-season, or uh, I guess we're in the offseason now, but when we get closer to free agency.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a conversation of do you extend him now or do you see what Go another ahead. year looks like? I think it would be in the Bengals' best interest to re-sign him now, but we will have plenty of time to talk about what the Bengals should do with their own free agents, what they should do with free agents that are going to be on the market. But today we will instead take a retrospective on the team of the decade. One last news bit to mention is that Tua Viola, the Alabama quarterback, recovering from that nasty hip injury, said on Twitter today that he will make his choice as to whether he's coming out of school or returning to Alabama on January 6th. However, reporters, including Benjamin Albright, say that he's leaning toward going back to school. And from what I understand, the broadcasters of that bowl game both said that they believe he will be back at
0: That's Alabama. Correct. Yeah, and one thing of note there is that I found very interesting, but mostly just for fun, Look at the replies to that tweet. It's all dolphins' fans convincing him or trying to convince him that he'll go fifth overall. It's a little bit crazy to me
1: that he wouldn't come out this year. The only way I think that he wouldn't is if he doesn't feel like he's going to go in the top ten because he'll be healthy, right? Yeah, but even if he's not going to be healthy before the draft, he could still go to the top ten very easily, sure. So he must be hearing something that suggests he won't go top 10. Maybe he's heard something about the CBA changing. This is the last year for the current rookie scale. That could be something that changes by the time he comes out. But if he goes back to school, well, now you're competing against fields at Ohio State and Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence at Clemson, who's been seen as the next Andrew Luck since he started playing at Clemson last year. So it's not like the QB class gets weaker next year. So right. it, it is a risky decision. Tony Pauline says he thinks it's a slim chance
0: he goes back. And he, and Tony Pauline's pretty good, usually.
1: And so has Ben Albright. There are reporters on both sides that are usually right about these things. So lots of information and disinformation out there. Another note for Tua is some of his wide receivers are going pro. So he's, he's still going to have Devontae Smith. But Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy almost certainly gone to the draft. So he's losing some weapons. I'm sure another five-star walks right in behind him. I'm sure that's the case, but you don't lose two first-round wide receivers and necessarily sustain that production every year.
0: Alabama actually has a five-star quarterback that's expected to start next year. I think that's part of it because they were talking about, I believe his name's Matt Smith, that was starting for Tua today, uh, how he's not starting next year. It's going to be this five-star.
1: And there's also his younger brother at Alabama.
0: Mm.
1: Matt Jones, Mac Jones started today for the Alabama Clemson, Clemson Tide. They won their bowl game against Michigan 35 to 16. and I mean, th- is there really a conversation about Big Ten versus SEC anymore? I mean, it was close.
0: On. if it was. Well, I guess that's not fair. I was going to say, I mean, what if it was Wisconsin? They'd probably beat them because Michigan is the third or fourth team. Penn State's better. So,
1: you know, Wisconsin's losing
0: to Oregon right now. All right, never mind then. I retract my statement. Maybe the Big
1: Ten's not that good. This this running back from Wisconsin, everybody likes a lot. Sure does fumble the ball a lot. Oh, really? He has six fumbles this year. I didn't know that. He's a high-volume carrier, but he fumbles the ball a lot, and it will be a concern when you start to put together his draft profile. Anyway, we've got the Bengals team of the decade coming to you. And if you wanted to put bets on who'd be on the Bengals all-decade team, maybe you want to put some bets down on college playoff games. That's wrapping up here soon. The NFL playoffs are starting this weekend. And if you'd like to place bets, if you're the type of fan that likes to make money off your football knowledge, we've got an offer for you from my bookie where you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. And my bookie is just as flexible as the Vegas sports books. You can do parlays. You can bet on individual games. You can bet on prop bets. Joe, tell them about the offer.
0: If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000. That means if you deposit 2000, you'll get an extra 1000 and free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked on to activate the offer once again that's promo code locked on to take advantage of my bookies generous sign up offer at mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid team of the decade a fun decade for Bengals football for the most part we talked about their winning percentage and where that ranked yet in yesterday's show 17th i believe right jake um i didn't realize how bad they were right before drafting Green and Dalton. I, this is just something I saw today when going through numbers and going through, you know, who should be on this. For me, my team's going to go on the longevity. It's, a longevity is going to play a big part. Rather than yours, is going to be the high points and the best player individually, individual season per position. Do you want to start at quarterback? I think that's the easy one, and then work our way through the offense. Yeah, there's only one quarterback, really, for the Bengals in the
1: 2010 decade, and that's Andy Dalton, but his best year of course, was 2015. That was the year that he was in contention for the MVP award before he went down with the thumb injury and never came back. AJ McCarron still won some games with what was a very talented team that has a few players represented on my team of the decade, but not actually as many as you might think, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But Andy Dalton, 2015 for me, and I'm sure Andy Dalton for you.
0: Yeah, he is. The longevity. It's only Carson Palmer 2010, right? And then Andy Dalton for the last nine years of solid football until the last three years. But for the most part, the high was really high and steady in between. There's no other option here but Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is the guy. So I'm going to halfback next. Who Mm -hmm. is
1: your longevity running back for the 2010s?
0: This was tough. You could have picked, you know, let's look at it. Jeremy Hill really had one good year. You could say uh, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis was solid, really one good year though. I think Joe Mixon now with two good years is the guy to pick here. Not only, I'm going to use some player evaluation when I pick these and say, all right, I think Joe Mixon was better than those guys, hands down. And if he was earlier and you know, if he was in 2015 and so on, they'd be a better team with him. So I'm going to go with Joe Mixon, but I do have a third down back listed. And it's because Giovanni Bernard has been here a long time at this point. He's been, for his role... He's a pass protection back, and he's good at it, and he catches passes, and that's okay. The only thing I wish for Gio, and I've been thinking about it lately, is he'd get some punt returns. But Mixon and Gio, who they have right now is the best one-two they've had in a long time. And how about that? This
1: is the worst they've been in a long time, despite having their best running backs in a very long time. It's Joe Mixon for me at halfback as well, and it's his 2019 season. For the same reasons that you're talking about, he's taken major steps forward in his game this year. He's stepped up as a leader in the locker room, as a fan favorite in Cincinnati, working in the community, and on the field, breaking tackles for the first time in his career, and that is
0: a major improvement. I had one more point on Gio. He is the longest active running back right now with his original team in the NFL. I,
1: I believe that. Ezekiel Elliott might get there eventually, but that's going to be david johnson's got to be close too actually
0: he, he was drafted the year after geo but yeah.
1: yeah next up i'm going offensive line we'll go left to okay. right and obviously at left tackle it's andrew whitworth and his best year believe it or not was not 2015 but was 2014 oh really they passed the ball
0: a lot that year they did well and that was 2013 uh, they ran a lot 2014 that was jeremy hill's year
1: in 2014, he gave up just 10 pressures in the entire season wow. on 613 pass blocks. Had only five
0: penalties. He looked like Fred Johnson out there. <laughs> generous generous <laughs> to Fred. That, that's a joke. Andrew Whitworth has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. I think he'll have an argument when he gets to that point. Even though I think they're for this generation and maybe just just this decade he may not make this decade team when we see it on nfl.com or the official one in the pro football hall of fame it may be uh, like Tyron Smith and and Joe Thomas and Jason Peters but he's going to have a good chance this is it's been a fantastic left tackle group for this last generation it is also Andrew Whitworth for me left guard i think this one's easy also came in in 2011 he's been the guy until this year and it's Clint Bowling and he's been at least steady once uh, after his rookie year 2012 and on he was at least steady with some top 10 guard seasons mixed in
1: yeah and his best season again was 2013 not not 14 like Whitworth but 13 for Clint Bowling had his best year in pass blocking and his second best year in run blocking that year I mean the offensive line in 2014 2012 2012 13 was just much better I mean that's when we yeah. got used to the Bengals having one of the best lines in football and we're obviously a far cry from that at this point but Clinton Bowling's 2013 gave up only 17 pressures was his career low
0: not bad So when you're – I think all of these guys at this point, we're going to get to the other positions. We're going to center now. But I think all of these guys were on the 2013 team then. Uh, That was a really good line. But center, I think – I saw other people do this on Twitter and social media, on Instagram, and they put Russell Bodine. And I was shocked to see that. Bodine was never good. And on his best days, he was average or at least suitable. Uh, But he was – just as bad as you remember, the, the guy it should be, and the guy I think is com- criminally underrated and from Bengals fans, is Kyle Cook. Kyle Cook was actually a solid center and sometimes had really good games and performances and put together at least one good year.
1: Yeah, his best years were his first couple of years and his last year in Cincinnati. It was actually surprising that after 2013, he didn't catch on anywhere else in the NFL because that was one of his better years.
0: Injuries. Yeah, he struggled to come back after the year before this. And then he somehow made it through grading pretty well on that final year. And then that was it for him.
1: He had three different seasons where he went over 1,000 snaps. Four different seasons, sorry, where Mm -hmm. he went over 1,000 snaps for the Bengals. 2012, he only managed 205 snaps. But for those other years, 2010 being the best year statistically, gave up just 18 pressures, had a solid year in run blocking. 1,094 snaps that year. That's a lot of play in five years. And I guess the wear and tear took a toll.
0: How many sacks charged to Kyle Cook in individual years? Do you have it? Because Hopkins gave up five this year, which was the most among centers.
1: In his worst year, 2013, Kyle Cook gave up five sacks on 694 pass-blocking snaps. So that is a lot lot of pass-blocking snaps.
0: Yeah. So Kyle Cook, he should be everyone's all-decade center, in my opinion.
1: And I think it's also easy for the all-decade guard.
0: At right guard is Kevin Zeitler. It is. Not only was Kevin Zeitler first round pick and a hit and instantly good, even as a rookie, he was at for a lot of his high points, a top five guard in the league. And they ran behind him consistently. Kevin Zeitler was really, really good.
1: Zeitler's best year just like Andrew Whitworth came in 2014 although he did miss some time gave up just 11 pressures on 457 pass blocks so it was his best year as a run blocker which was generally a strength for him in Cincinnati every year grading out well above average as a run blocker was really good in 2015 2016 as well really a very solid stretch for him that earned him a massive payday from the Cleveland Browns in 2017 before he was traded to the New York Giants where he was actually better for the Giants than he had been for the most part in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, he's still good. He's still kicking. I wish they would have uh, kept him or at least wish they would have offered him a serious contract. Right tackle. Um, it wasn't a strength at any point. Andre Smith had some good seasons. I think overall for longevity and how long he was here, 09 to, I even mean, he's still here. And I think Andre Smith is the easy answer at right tackle.
1: Yeah, he really had a couple good seasons at the beginning of the decade. 2012, 2013 really were his best years where he was solid in run pass blocking and very good as a run blocker. He was solid generally from 2011 to 2014, never really lived up to his draft status. I think we were all a little bit, what's the word, non plus with that draft selection with as high as he was picked thinking that we knew he was going to be a right tackle you have to believe that his combine performance or his pro day performance that shirt off run nothing really went well for him athletically would have damaged his draft stock a little bit but the Bengals stuck to their guns and picked him six
0: overall it's like taking Orlando Brown that went to the Ravens in the first round it's it's Something should have affected Andre Smith and knocked him down, if you don't remember that draft. And it didn't. The Bengals looked at their board, and, uh, you know, they stayed with it. And for that, they were rewarded with at least some type of longevity, even though he was often injured early. Remember the rotation yep. between him and Dennis Rowland and then a rotation between Anthony Collins? It was a weird situation getting Andre Smith acclimated.
1: He battled with lower body injuries for mm-hmm. much of his career and so he never really excelled. He, he was okay. He was good a couple of years, but he was never great, never really a top 10 tackle. Yeah. So let's go to wide receiver, the skill positions. This is by far the Bengals' strongest position, I think, oh, yeah. in the decade. And going down the list, wide receiver one easily A.J. Green, his best year, 2015, to go along with Andy Dalton's best year. Marvin Jones, was my wide receiver, too. I picked 2013 to be his best year. If you remember his four-touchdown yep. game against Jets. the Jets that year, that alone gets him on here for for his best season. And then slot wide receiver, I think, is, is Tyler Boyd's 2018, although he was also very good this year.
0: Yeah, I have the same three as the top three. It's Green, Marvin Jones, and Tyler Boyd. The only uh, other guy that I consider... To crack that was Muhammad Sanu, and it was only four years for the Bengals, but I'm thinking of his next four years were still good. Obviously, it only counts for the four years the Bengals had him, and they were quickly replacing him, sort of. It took two years, but Tyler Boyd came on pretty strong, and I think Tyler Boyd is better at his best than Muhammad Sanu was. Yep, except Boyd
1: doesn't have that perfect passing track record that Muhammad Sanu
0: has. We should take a minute to say that was fun. That was extraordinary yeah he would remember that touchdown the first play of the game to AJ Green remember the throwback to uh Andy Dalton who caught it who would have got blown up should have got blown good, up yeah right Titan's guy bounced off his hip or thigh and he runs yeah. it for the touchdown those are two amazing plays
1: yeah Mohammed Sunu was pinpoint
0: on the few occasions he had to
1: throw the ball downfield so that's Crazy. just something fun to shout out I also was looking for Andrew Hawkins to try to make a case for him but he his best year was in 2009. For the Bengals, yeah. I think. And then he went on and he was pretty solid in Cleveland for that first year or two there as well. But tight end, the last position on offense, because there was no fullback really on the team for the True. entire decade. This Tyler Eifert's 2015. Just the upside we have with him, 2014 and 15 were both nice yeah. for Eifert.
0: Yeah, and the only other guy we could probably even mention is Jermaine Gresham. He I know he's probably considered a bust for many, but I mean the man is still playing and he made a multiple Pro Bowls. He was a solid player for a while. I wish he was a better uh, receiver, less robotic. But, man, do you remember how many times he would catch the ball and just truck over two, three, four guys and just wouldn't go down? And it created a spark plenty of times. I liked Jermaine Gresham looking back. He was frustrating while watching live. But sometimes we look at him a little more fondly. But the, the correct answer is Tyler Eifert. And we've got
1: a whole defensive side of the ball to get to. Joe, let's get right into that
0: here. Where are we starting on defense? Let's start with the D-line and start at right end. And the Bengals have had some good seasons, especially at defensive end, especially at pass rusher. The D-line is a, is a strength, but an interesting one to look back at because I feel like it's definitely two guys that keep this D-line together. And then they've rotated and mixed in some solid to good players in there. But at right end, I'm going to go with Michael Johnson. Uh, due to longevity, due to some of the high points right before he was a free agent going to the Bucks and then coming right back and get, they still got a third round compensatory pick. I don't think you can tell Mike Johnson's story without that move.
1: Yeah, they got a free draft pick and him back. That was right. great. I mean, that was one of the masterful moves of early decade roster management for the Bengals when things were going pretty well. But Michael Johnson makes a list for me as well. It was his 2013 was his best year uh, in terms of overall productivity, even though he had more sacks in 2012. He had far more pressures in 2013, was great in run defense for both of those years. And that's a big reason that he went on to make that free agent deal. At the other defensive end position every year, except for maybe one of those two for Michael Johnson. The Bengals' best defensive end was Carlos Dunlap. Oh yeah, And And he's he's easily the guy. I think his best year might have been this year, despite not really being around for the first five, six weeks of the season. He had 10 sacks, 50 pressures, 36 total stops, and was the best edge player in the league, according to PFF, in the second half of 2019. So Carlos Dunlap's 2019.
0: Yeah, I love that that you say it's probably his best year because it's funny because at the trade deadline, I was like, can the Bengals get a third round pick? You know, I was kind of wondering if that's what if the rest of the league knew or considered him being as good as we thought he was. And now I'd be like, man, you better get like a high second round pick for Carlos Dunlap coming off this year. So I probably would have sold a little bit low on him. But Carlos Dunlap is for me, 100% uh, left defensive end. I think when his career is done, he's pro- he's going to lead the the team or franchise in sacks. He would be if they had a ring of honor, one of the guys that's going to make it. He's not Andrew Whitworth and Gino Atkins and AJ Green that'll uh, fight for a a recognition in the Hall of Fame. But he is definitely the a player you put on the ring of honor and you someone that you will remember for a long time.
1: He's been one of the best players on this team for almost the entire decade since he's since he was drafted since he started getting playing time yeah since he was drafted
0: he's been one of the best players on the team you remember that rookie year robert Gethers starting over him and we're like man when's dunlap gonna play when's he gonna play and then like it was week seven and he ends up with nine sacks in the second half of the year it was kind of like this year right he just he goes on a tear that second half and we're like man he needs to play much more now he doesn't come off the field unless now they finally have depth and
1: you remember the knock on him in the draft that caused him to fall a
0: little bit was questions about his motor, which
1: turned no. out to be bullshit. Going on to the defensive interior, obviously the 3 tech, the DT1, is Geno because in his 2012 was absolutely monstrous: 16 sacks, 82 pressures, 47 stops outside of just the pass rush. He was one of the best players, if not the best defensive player in football in 2012 yeah. and that is easily the runaway performance of the decade at three tech for geno atkins
0: and he is making all decade teams as the guy next to aaron donald and there's other really strong competition guys that did not last as long guys like kwan shore or gerald mccoy who had those high bursts and then uh tallied off there a little bit fletcher cox is going to be the one that's going to compete with him, i think Dominic but you know sue. what yeah sue of course yeah and for me, Atkins, I think, is going to make the Hall of Fame one day. And it's those Pro Bowls are starting to add up. I, he, this wasn't his best year. But if you look at some of these older guys that play another two or three years at D-Tackle, they have these years mixed in there. It's not consistent 10 sacks anymore. It's five, then eight, then four, then six. And I think that's, we're in that range now with Atkins, which, fine. But looking back at his career, man, what a fantastic and, and big impact he made.
1: What a great decade for Dunlap and Atkins, both of them yeah. together consistently great for this Bengals defense and really the anchors, I think of the all decade team for mm-hmm. the second defensive tackle for the nose tackle. I think for longevity, this is going to be a very different answer than what you're going to give. But for the best individual season performance, it's Josh Tupo in 2019. And it's mostly because he tackled Amar Jackson in the open field but <sighs> outside of just that one play. He was very, very good for the Bengals in 2019. I think he's earned a multi-year deal in Cincinnati. Very good run defender. And I really liked what he did this year.
0: And is he your last player on the defensive line? Do he you is. have anyone else? Okay, I have someone else to mention after this. So at nose tackle, I'm going with Tomatopeko. And it's mostly because of the longevity. And he was a lot of fun. And he was a, a fan favorite. He never had the high-end, really uh, top... 10 or 15 or 20 season, he had some good production years in terms of being a nose tackle. And that stuff is, you know, if you get three sacks, that's great as a nose tackle. And he was fine against the run, but never a real high impact splash player. Having said that, this is the the decade that really embraced the nickel defense. And I would be crazy not to add that because I I've been talking about it since 2010. And for me, that interior other pass rusher that went next to Geno Atkins You'll be surprised, Jake. I want to, I want you to pull up his PFF stats. Wallace Gilberry was surprised. actually really, really good for a long time. Yeah. There was there was two years he had nine sacks, then seven sacks, then the next two years, 51 pressures and 55 pressures. He was really good. He was that final piece on the – it was a bunch of stars. I mean, with, with Michael Johnson being the third guy, but – Gilberry got to just eat because those guys are getting so much attention. But he is that other guy that if we're building this all-decade team to compete, he's going to come in and, and pass rush from the nickel position.
1: I'm not surprised at all. Uh, that that guy was in conversation with, with Michael Johnson for the other end, even though he got, like you said, a lot of his production in the nickel when yeah. he kicked inside in that really good pass rushing nickel front that the Bengals could throw out. They're looking at Domodot Peko here real quick. He maybe was just not used right in Cincinnati. He was a big leader on the team. Coaches Mm -hmm. always praise that he did exactly what they asked him to do. But then he went to Denver in 2017, 2018 and had his two best rated seasons from PFF Um, in his entire career. And it wasn't because he was getting pressures. It was, it was run defense, and and it's just, what you know, what's different, right? Maybe they're just asking him to do Three, different four. things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so I think Domada Peko might be underappreciated by me, certainly not by fans. Again, a fan favorite, a leader in the locker room, great hair. So Domada Peko, no arguments from me there.
0: Let's move to linebacker, and this was a bleak position. It was when we did the history of the Bengals. Remember we did linebacker? That's that was hard to get players that, that they've throughout their history they've yeah. not been very good at linebackers through this 10 years. You've got Vontes perfect because of his high highs, right? I had to put him on there because of that. It was a short span of really good play and it was a short span really in terms of longevity because of so many years that were cut not only cut short for injury but suspensions. I mean, you really got maybe one full season out of him yep. in in all that time and it's just he was the best one, but man speaking of longevity, it's just not there for him.
1: You, you kind of think back and you just think, what if for Vontaze yeah. what if he could keep it together on the field, avoid the suspensions? He had his best year in 2013. He actually had two full seasons of snaps for the Bengals. And outside okay. of that, missed time for injuries, missed time for suspensions. But in 2013, he had 64 defensive stops, which I think was the most of any player, any position in the decade according to PFF. And most years, the leader is, you know, in the 40s, I want to say. But in yeah, maybe 50. 64. The, the only downside, the only reason he didn't grade out as an all-pro linebacker that year is he had 14 penalties in his best year. Won a game. That's a lot of penalties. His other year yeah. that contended was – 2015 because you remember he came back and then that defense totally transformed but the reason that it can't be 2015 is obviously what happened in the playoffs
0: ah yes i didn't think about that but you're right on that um my other linebacker i'm only i only have two here because i i built it as a nickel defense uh it's vinnie ray and it's only vinnie ray because he played for a long time and he wasn't always a starter but he found his way on the field every single year. And it may have been in spot duty. It may have been just playing for perfect. It may have been because Thomas Howard got hurt. It may have been because, uh, James Harrison couldn't do what they wanted him to do. It may have been because a, uh, AJ Hawk wasn't that good anymore for whatever reason. He found his way on the field every single year. And sometimes it was just 400, 600 snaps. He did have a, a year of starting, but, uh, the longevity for him, the consistent, uh, being a backup team leader, special teams ace or captain, and that he could play all three positions. He just found his way on the field. It's really there's not too many other guys when I'm looking at it as a full decade that really even make the list. And 2016 was a really
1: good year for Vinny Ray in PFF grading. He had 590 snaps that year, played in all 16 games. Perfect only played 11 that year, had a solid grade in coverage that year, giving up still 72% of passes, but Only a 90 passer rating into his coverage had an interception and four passes broken up a little bit later in his career. He really started to show the stiffness and the athleticism limitations that prevented him from being good in coverage, but he was a solid coverage backer there for a couple of years. And Vinny Ray is one of the other guys I considered for linebacker too, but there's really no one that stands out enough to claim this for me could be James Harrison's 400 snaps in 2013. It could be Carlos Dansby's one year in Cincinnati when he was average. It could be Thomas Howard's one year where he had 1,100 snaps, Mm -hmm. and he was a little bit better than average. It could be Brandon Johnson's 2010 when he was pretty good, but nobody really did anything exceptional outside of perfect. And nobody really had the longevity where it said, you know what, here's a tiebreaker. So it's a bunch of one-year guys that that could be the guy, and none of them stand out enough for me.
0: Yeah, I wonder if, you know who the fans are going to pick on that one or maybe debate, because I think everyone would just pick a different guy. Or if yeah. you give them five, I think they'd get split votes completely out of that. Yeah. I uh, Want to move to corner then? Let's go to corner. And there are three guys here. We got corner
1: one, yeah. corner two, outside guys, and then slot corner, which is a runaway.
0: That's how I did it,
1: too. Let's start with the slot, huh? That's the slot easily is Leon Hall. It's, it's 100% Leon Hall. And his best year was 2012, I think, by far. Although, you know what? Darquez Dinard is I underrated.
0: saw all the same. I know. I did this. I had the same thought process as you, and the only reason I, he didn't make it over the guy who made it on the boundary is because he didn't play the boundary. He didn't play the boundary, right. Darko are Dark, underrated. You go ahead. Yeah, he, I, I was going to say if you look at his numbers or year by year, he has never not played good. Yeah, it's just he hasn't always played the first couple of years, but when he's played, he has been good. And I think at this point, he's probably
1: earned the multi-year deal. And if I'm the Bengals, I'm offering him a three or four-year deal at this point to shore up my slot corner because I feel good about running Dark or not out there at slot corner. That is not something that I am worried about one bit for the next four years, if, if they can make that deal. But Leon Hall's 2012 wins the slot for me, and obviously he was their best slot corner of the decade just because he was the best slot corner in the game at yep. his prime. On I the was outs- going to say that. On the outside, I've got Adam Jones, mm-hmm. 2013, had four picks, nine pass, pass uh, breakups, and only allowed an 82 passer rating on throws into his coverage as a full-time outside corner
0: yeah i also have adam jones longevity too he was there yep i mean from 2010 to 2008 he was uh at first member just rotated in there and then they found ways to get him in and it became Leon hall only played the slot and then it became uh adam jones job to to play the right corner and he longevity wise has been there and been pretty pretty good he had he had at least one year what year is that you said 2013 or 14 that um was fantastic And then on the other side, it could be Terrence Newman,
1: but for me, the best year that another corner had on the outside was William Jackson's 2017, when he gave up a measly 36 passer rating on throws into his coverage, had 11 pass breakups, allowed only 35% of throws into his coverage to be completed. He had over 600 snaps that year, so it's not like it was just a couple hundred snaps there. Yeah not quite a full season but was very very good in 2017 and that is the upside that we're all waiting to see william jackson return to
0: i struggled with this cornerback too and i did because at first i said terrence newman he Mm -hmm. was steady and reliable but only for three years so i said "Eh, you know uh darquez and arts played just as many snaps as newman did and that uh, you know for the uh, not in the same span but overall through their career contribution to the Bengals, and i said well Darquez is a is a slot guy, so I'm not going to put him at, on the boundary and, and risk that. And then I said, well, William Jackson, two really good years. That should outweigh the guy I ended up picking was Drake Kirkpatrick. And I think that'll surprise some people. But Kirkpatrick has been... His raw numbers are better than what we remember, and it's because of the p- penalties. It's because of him being in coverage and a guy still catching it over his shoulder or his back or giving up the big play, or it f- felt as though he was getting targeted by the opposing offense. But when you look, first career giving up about 56 57% uh, completion when targeting – that's really good you'll take that for a guy career as a number one pick and he's got his flaws and the missed tackles and all these other things i'm bringing up and makes me unsure to even pick him but he has also accumulated the most snaps so when i'm looking at it for a full 10 year stretch i think he's the other guy
1: yeah he took over as a starter in 2015 playing over a thousand snaps that year and then the four years following that 978 868, 774 So four years of roughly full-time play for him, and over that stretch, like you said, Joe, not giving up more than 60% completions on passes into his coverage, but then you do look at the penalties, and for that four-year stretch, in in 2015, he gave up only 65 completions on 114 targets for 57% completions, but then you had 13 penalties that you have to throw in there, and then suddenly that jumps up to 78 out of 114, and that looks a lot worse. So when you can consider his penalties, that's a really pretty big drawback to his game. He's never been able to tackle. He's been on the other side of running back highlight reels more times than he probably will care to reflect on. But I get the argument for longevity. He's been doing it for, you know, four and a half-ish years. But at this point, just looking toward the future, not looking into the past, it's time to move on. From Dre at that corner position.
0: William Jackson, the argument could be the same one I used for Joe Mixon, that I think he's better than Kirkpatrick. Yeah, it's only been two good years, but I think had he been here on 2015, he would have made the defense better than Kirkpatrick did. So you could make a strong argument that it's Jackson instead of Kirkpatrick.
1: On we go to safety, Reggie Nelson's 2012 was phenomenal. Fantastic. It was one of the better-graded safeties from PFF, if not the top-graded safety from PFF. Had three picks, gave up only a 57 point, sorry, 59.7 passer rating on throws into his coverage, had 26 stops, which is significant from the free safety position. Reggie Nelson was generally very good for the Bengals as a free safety. He was a real ball hawk back there, and they missed his playmaking for years until they got to my second safety
0: what year did he have eight nine ten picks what was it he had a crazy year where he had a lot of interceptions i remember reggie nelson's also on my list and uh, i remember the interceptions of the big ben especially clutch it seemed an interception of philip Rivers while they were driving back down it just seemed like he consistently made plays and the trade also helps us they give up a six rounder plus david jones if you remember him he was a corner and they got a cast off first round pick that didn't work This when the Bengals. We're taking on old first-rounders all the time and see if any of them panned out, and this one hit big time. Yeah, Reggie Nelson had
1: eight interceptions for the Bengals in his last year in mm-hmm. Cincinnati in 2015, had four the year prior, and in his first year in Cincinnati, had four picks as well. It was generally very good throughout his tenure in Cincinnati, but in 2012 had a 90.2 overall grade, which is just excellent.
0: Yeah, fantastic. My other is Georgia Loka. And I picked him because I not only were they a good pairing while they were there together, uh, I feel like Iloka is his, he's not, he doesn't have the longevity. And in fact, he did it in his career and, But I think when he was good, he was really good, and he was a good pairing with Nelson and then with Sean Williams eventually. Uh, I felt like you could do a lot of different things with Iloka, free or strong, and even put him in the box. One of my favorite games of his was against the Saints, where they kind of let him cover Jimmy Graham a little bit, and he did a great job. And I I thought, they should do this more often, and they never really did, but that game always sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, Iloka was a guy who started for the Bengals for five years, playing over 1,000 snaps in three of those years. He was 12 short in 2017. And then I, I picked 2018 Jesse Bates because that was mm. the other really good year of safety play the Bengals got. Honorable mention here for Sean Williams, who's been around playing mm-hmm. strong safety for them at an average to above average level for a pretty long time at this point. But George Iloka is the other guy that I considered and for a seventh round, sixth round pick. Fifth round pick. I'll never fifth. get that right. Fifth round pick, one thirty-seven, one sixty-seven overall. Never going to get any of that right.
0: That Four was so a Chad was Johnson trade. Yeah. Or Marvin Jones was a Chad trade. Yeah. One was a one was Keith Rivers. One was uh Chad Johnson. They got two fifth. They had three fifth rounders
1: that yeah. year. Sean Prater was the other one. They had many extra picks. So that's it for the defensive side of the ball. For special teams, it's. Pretty easy for punter. They only had one, Kevin Huber. I didn't he's pick the best year for him. For Kicker, it was Mike Nugent's 2015.
0: I picked Mike Nugent also. And I think we're on the verge of Randy Bullock getting in there only because they nope. seem, to, seem to keep relying on him. And Never. he's been automatic within 40. But, uh, except I'm when he's Nugent not. At, right, except for when he's not. But this year he was, and last year he pretty much was. If you can miss one or two in a season, that's fine. Nope. Uh, but... Nugent actually, at times, he dealt with injuries and he was a star in college. He was good for the Jets. He dealt with injuries a couple times, but when he was healthy, he actually had a decent leg. It wasn't amazing, but he could hit a 57, 58 yarder.
1: He kicked a couple in the 50s for the Bengals in 2015. Moving on to the last couple positions kickoff punt returner, I've got Adam Jones. In 2014, he averaged 31 yards per kickoff return. Before, he was kind of moved into a lightning-in-a-bottle punt returner when he was back returning kicks. Outside yeah. of Adam Jones, the best year the Bengals had for a kickoff returner. You could talk about Alex Erickson last year, two years ago, when he was pretty good. But Brandon Tate actually early on had one year where he was a very good kick returner.
0: I don't want Brandon Tate on my team because no. uh, it took a while f- to strong-arm the Bengals to let him go. But yeah. I am also going with Adam Jones. I think that's an easy one. And then, He made the Pro Bowl as a returner, he right? Did, as a punt okay. returner. Yep. Yeah.
1: And then for special teamer, I've talked about him a lot this year. And it turns out it's not just recency bias, but Stanley Morgan's 2019 on special teams is both a punt return gunner culminating with the spectacular play on the onside kick against Miami in Week 16. Stanley Morgan's special team performance in 2019 earns him a spot on this list. And the other guy that I have to mention, and it's probably your guy, Cedric Pearman.
0: Yeah. 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 I was going to mention also Rex Burkhead, yep. Vinny Ray, and Clayton Fedulum. And Clark Harris. And Clark Harris. They could, you could say Clark Harris here. He's been here. It's crazy to have these guys, 11 year veterans, a kicker, punter, and yep. um, long snapper.
1: And Clark Harris has been actually really good, even compared to other yep. long snappers the last few years. So that rounds out the 2010 to 2019 Bengals team of the decade. We'll be back tomorrow, Bengals fans. It's Thursday tomorrow, which means we're going to be taking your questions. Take a look on Twitter for our mailbag prompt. Until then, have a good one.